Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, The phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Introducing Kobe Acuff. He is an outlaw country musician straight out of Idaho. I threw on my Kentucky hat for you to show my Southern roots. Kobe, welcome. Are you born and raised in Idaho? Yes. Wow. Well, what's Idaho like? It's pretty sparse. Like, I mean, there's not a whole lot of people over here, obviously. There's 1.7 million people in the whole state of Idaho. It's kind of like one giant town. <laughs> it's really big though. I mean, there's a lot of mountains. It's kind of hard to drive through, I guess you could say. Like there's one main road that goes north and south in Idaho. It's 95, US 95. Beautiful mountains though, gorgeous plains. I mean, it's pretty sweet. I love it. Yeah, no, tell me the name of the town that you're from. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So tell me what it was like growing up in Coeur d'Alene. Coeur a little different. So Coeur actually is a town of like 50,000 people. There's 40 lakes within 40 miles of where I grew up. It's a ton of water, skiing. It's kind of a resort town kind of thing. So yeah. What are your parents like? They're great people. I mean, great, honest people. I mean, I'm a fourth generation Idahoan. So my dad was born here as well. My mom's from Spokane, Washington, which is about 30 minutes from here. Oh my gosh. So when are you getting out of Idaho? We're going to be on the road and we'll be traveling and doing some tour stuff. You know, we'll be out and around, but I don't know. I mean, it's a pretty sweet gig here. I don't really know if I want to leave Idaho too bad. Do you want five generations Idaho? I wouldn't say maybe no to that. I, I think it's a great place to grow up. So tell me about this tour that's getting ready to happen. It's probably in the fall. This summer, we're going to be touring basically all throughout Idaho, anywhere within 10 hours. So we'll be playing in Boise, which is like the capital of Idaho. And if we can, we'll try to get into like Montana and you know, we'll be playing in the, in the Northwest as much as we can. During, you know, that happening, we're going to be trying to book a bunch of shows, you know, get on a bus and basically drive to Nashville and back. We're going to drive down and, you know, hopefully we can play through Montana, through Colorado, through Texas, up through Oklahoma, maybe Arkansas, go to Nashville and then come back to the Midwest. Is this your first tour? I'll be my first big tour like that. Yeah. How is this like coming about? Who's oh, planning all of this? And That would be me. <laughs> yeah just a lot of cold calls a lot of emails a lot of you know just chatting with people and you know how this kind of came about was I had posted on my Instagram like hey let me know where you want to see me play in 2021 and I thought it was mostly going to be Idaho and we got 90% of them from all over the country at that point I'm like it's time to go it's time to go out and you know see these fans and meet these people and yeah and now with the new album out you know we're getting radio play in Oklahoma and Texas and other places so I mean I think it's time to go Right. You just dropped an album like not even a month ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah. Talk to me about what that was like. Well, you know, I mean, the second album, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be as far as expectations and stress and stuff. Because our first album, you know, I was like, there's no expectations. Like you just put it out and see how it goes. And the first album did really well. So, you know, for me, I was super excited to put out the second album. But then like a week before we put it out, I started getting real nervous. Like, oh, what if it doesn't work? Like, what if that, that, that? It worked out just fine. The album's done very well. We're not even two weeks, like we said, and we're almost to 30,000 plays right now. 
how do you measure whether it's doing well? You just kind of watch how much traction it gets. And we got featured on a lot of the country music pages. And so we kind of actually did make it to the next level with this album. Like we kind of stepped up. We're now in the conversation. We are still, you know, in the very beginning phases of that. We are we're on the up and coming, you know, list. So I'm super excited about that. I think that's something that I'm, I'm really proud to hang my hat on right now. How is this album different than your first album? I think this album is way more mature. The first album we had, it was awesome and it was raw, but it was naive, I guess. You know, we had to cancel all these shows and we canceled two tours due to COVID and everything. And I learned a ton in a year. I got so much more mature and the songs also got more mature. And then kind of when we went into produce it, we were just so much more ready to get down and record it. We knew what to do, you know, and overall the project just has a maturity about it that is a sophomore album for me. What goes into creating an album as an independent artist? One, you got to have a lot of good friends that are in the industry. (laughs) Because if you don't have an agent and you don't have a recording label, you know, or record label, you better know somebody with a studio who's good. Everybody that's on your team, you got to trust them. It's almost better to like hire your best friend as a partner and work together to try to make the business work versus maybe, you know, like going out and doing a bunch of hiring work for a bunch of strangers that you don't really know. And you're kind of trusting them with, you know, for them, it's a job and they're rolling the dice, but for you, it's everything. So the more people you can bring on that believe in the whole thing, I think that's been a huge part for us. The other part is, you know, like, I mean, you got to write all the songs. You have to do well enough to have enough capital to put out another one. It's a lot of work. It's a ton being an independent artist, but I can call it mine. You know, I like that. Why did you decide to be independent? It's not really like a decision. I think a lot of people wait for ships to come in, but I just kind of raised my own sail. (laughs) So it's not that I wouldn't sign a record label, I guess, is what I'm saying. It's just that I wasn't going to sit around and just wait for a record label so that I could put out an album. The preference, it's debatable either way. You know, some people really judge people that have record labels, which I don't. How you make it is how you make it. That whole concept of like selling out. Can you talk to me about that? I don't believe in it. They're just people. Like I'm just a person. So are you going to not like my music if I'm with a label? Like that doesn't make any sense. Whether you're independent or with a label, however you make it, that's great. Like however you do it, that is awesome. And I wish you the best no matter how you do it. But that being said... You know, once you make it up there and you're on the big stage, you know, you got to keep up with what you're doing. You got to still maintain that what you were your MO the whole time. So I guess my point would be, I don't care how you make it, but once you get there, you know, don't change, I guess. Change is relative, but don't give up what you started with. Let's talk about what you started with. I've been doing this for a long time. This is 12 years now I've been playing live music. We always had a good local crowd, you know, everybody would always come out to our shows and we'd go to these little coffee shops or we go to breweries or we go to bars or wherever we were playing, you know, we'd turn the place upside down and inside out. Everyone's having a great time and dancing. It's super fun. And at the time it was just me and a bass player, you know, and that's all we had. And we were still having a great time. And then, you know, my bass player was like, well, I'd love to go on tour. And we're just having a beer spitballing about this like two years ago. And I told him, I said, you know, I, I would love to, but you know, once we pull the trigger and go on tour, I want to make sure that we have an album before we go on tour. Like we're going to become Colby Ake of the artist and we're going to do it. And we said, okay. And in two months we had an album out and two full tours planned and away we go. What would you do differently or what did you learn that you didn't know from putting that together? Oh God, so much. We did it so fast and we had to, I mean, that was the thing. Like we had that conversation in October. We recorded in November, the album dropped in January and we were supposed to go on tour in April. So I think I put a lot of stress on myself. I was too young. 
I was only 23. I think it made me learn a ton and it definitely helped me like this year helped me a ton because it was, everything was easier, but I had to learn everything in two months. I was working 13, 14 hour days, just learning the whole business, learning everything I had to know. It was tough on me as a younger kid, but I mean, at the same time, I wouldn't take it back. You know what I mean? Cause now we're in a, we're in a good spot and we know the business pretty well. What is the business? It's a lot. I mean, it's booking, it's merch, it's fans, it's reach out, it's cold calling, it's podcasts. I mean, it's everything. It's nonstop content. It's nonstop getting out to know people. It's nonstop music. I have, you know, you got to write music. You got to be in contact with people. You got to be. Talk to me about writing music because I wanted you to write me some. Talk to me about that. Writing it's such a tough thing to explain as well. Cause like writing music, there's so many things that go into it, you know, and you have 12 notes and people have been writing songs within 12 notes for as long as music's been around. And we still have not reached a point to where like, you know, songs repeat and stuff, but there's still creative ingenuities like in there that songwriting is crazy that it still is working the way it is. But that being said, it's so hard because you have to try to wrap a melody, a melody, emotion and words and you also have to be able to reach a message to get that across to people without making it sound like anything else that you've ever heard what inspires you to do it i don't know hank williams has a really good quote about writing songs someone asked him how do you write all those good songs and he said i just hold the pen god writes the words it's like really hard to explain how these songs come out sometimes because i'll write songs like if i were the devil life rolling stone there's probably like 10 songs out of the 24 that we have out right now that i wrote in 10 to 20 minutes and some songs take longer than others because you're fixated on a, a tag or an idea can you do better call daddy in a yodel oh god i should have warmed up better call daddy <laughs> i love that yeah that's good yeah that's the yodel right there yeah how did you learn how to yodel so there's this awesome Billings, Montana. There's a song called Cattle Call, and it's an old ranching tune from like 1950s, 1940s. In it, there's like this yodel. And so we're sitting at this restaurant in Billings, and this guy is singing it, and he's doing the yodel part. I'm like, damn, that was that's pretty neat. I'd like to do that. And so you just practice it and practice it and practice it and practice it, and then eventually it starts coming into your songs, and then I can't even stop doing it now. So now when I sing naturally, it just comes out. I want to learn how to yodel now. That is so cool. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely some exercises and stuff. You know, you're just kind of going up to your falsetto really quick and coming back down. You kind of just let your voice crack, really, is what you do. You just let it, what it is, you're going to get a little nerdy here for a second, vocal cords. So the way that that works is that when you're talking, it's called your chest voice. Like when you're just singing normally, that's your chest voice is what that's called. And it's just like talking, like all your vocal cords move, just like they're like little strings in a box, basically. And they're all moving and whatnot. And that's how you create sound. You're blowing air through that and they move and make sound. When you're singing like in your falsetto is what it's called. Like that noise is just the outside of your vocal cord is vibrating and the middle is not. It's called a harmonic on like a guitar. But basically your vocal cords are doing a harmonic. So when you do a yodel, you just have to do that for like a half a second and then dip back down. Okay, do it again. I gotta gotta hear it again. Yodelay-oo. No. I mean, it, you just, you got to keep just going and going until you get on pitch and you just go. And, <laughs> I mean, people around you, if you're practicing, they're going to think you're crazy, but it'll work out eventually. Oh my God. So how long have you been yodeling? I mean, there are people who like yodel and those yeah. people not the same as me. I just have like a little thing in my voice that I do. What's the like best place that you've played? 
haven't played it yet. Where is that place going to be? I don't know. I can't decide. I mean, because people actually usually ask me like top three venues. And so I say, oh, you know, like I like this place and this place. And I usually for the third spot, I say I haven't played there yet. But I kind of just like that attitude as you go through it, you know, doesn't have to be a specific place, but more so like I would love to play like a bar that has chicken wire around the stage, you know, and people are just, you know, like from the Blues Brothers kind of stuff that that's awesome. Or, I, you know, obviously I'd love to play a stadium, that kind of stuff. So I don't know where it stops or where it begins, but I definitely haven't played the best place yet. What would you tell somebody who has the dreams of becoming like a country singer? I mean, do it. It's fun. I do have a lot of like younger people in this community that do actually reach out to me and stuff. And the number one thing is you got to get out there. And it's so hard because of these like insecurities. I mean, it it just crushes people. You know, I usually use this analogy of like, you know, you're going to jump off a cliff. It's like a big risk and you don't know how far it's going to be. You don't know if you're going to die or whatever. Usually though, when you jump off a cliff in this analogy, it's like 10 feet and you go, Oh, I'm okay. And then you jump off the other one. Then you jump off the next and the next and the next and the next. And you just get used to taking risks. And um, you understand that when you take a risk, they're always educated risks. Like you never want it to be the risk to be so bad that you can't come back from it. But taking risks in life, I mean, I would way rather be doing that than knowing exactly what I'm going to be doing every single day of my life. That's not me. If you're trying to be a country artist or you're trying to get in the industry and that is your reservation, which it usually is. People just don't, they got to get over the fact they got to put themselves out there. You just got to do it. You got to start booking. You got to get out there. You got to start playing. You got to play free shows. You got to be playing free shows three or four times a night to begin with just for tips. Go to open mic nights, go to other musicians gigs and meet them and tell them that you are trying to play, get as much advice as possible, start writing music, build a fan base, so on. How have you built a fan base? The business side of it, like behind the curtain, you know, there's a ton of marketing and a ton of promotion that goes into this stuff. Every morning I wake up and I, I do reach out every single morning to people. And now it's actually really cool because we are actually getting reach out from other people. And so I actually get to talk to fans daily now, which is really, really fun. It's, I mean, that's kind of part of the dream really is knowing that you have a responsive fan base, but the biggest way to build them is to acknowledge that they exist. Biggest way to build it is to go play in front of them, to write songs about them. The live show is what gets you fans, getting in front of people and giving them a memory that they can, you know, because people listen to music, especially, you know, if they go to a concert, they might even never even have thought of listening to this song off a guy's album or a gal's album, but they go to a concert and they hear that song and they cannot stop playing the song because of how much fun they had during that song. There's no such thing as overnight success? No, there definitely is. There's definitely people that go viral and go overnight and that's perfect and like i said i'll never judge anybody for how they do it there's no way that if you offered me that i wouldn't take it of course i would take it you did mention that last year you were kind of going through some stuff what snapped you out of that it wasn't like a dark time or anything you know it just was very stressful (laughs) and then once we canceled our tours everything we had worked for was gone all Mm. those 14 hour days everything that i put into it was done just vanished with not even a hint of return. You know, I think a big part of it was the music shut down. So I, I had to go get another job for the time being. And I was guiding fly fishing trips again. And I got to spend 60 hours a week out of service in the outdoors on the river with people. And it really just, you know, brought me down, gave me a lot of time to reflect. And then once we started playing again, 
we hit it really hard and I just had a different attitude, you know, and that's nothing's ever guaranteed. You can't just stress so much that it takes you out of the game because it will burn you out. I think I have seen some pictures of you holding some fish on your Instagram. Yeah, I'm a big fly fisherman. Yeah, I love it. But if you're from Idaho, that's kind of what you do, you know? (laughs) I've never done that. I was basically born doing it, you know? I mean, that's just what you do out here. Do you think anyone can be a singer? Yeah, I do. Anyone can write a song, no matter how good or bad, but not everybody can write a song that they truly believe in and that they really like and that they want, you know, that touches people and like, that's the kind of stuff. So yeah, anyone I believe can be a singer. But are you able to entertain? Can you read a crowd? Can you write music? Can you? There's so many other things that go into this about being the artist. I've been playing music since I was five years old. Actually, I mean, so when I was born, when I was born, it took me a long time to like get hair and teeth and other things. So I just was kind of like, just looked like an old man walking around all the time. So I was like two years old with no teeth and no hair. I didn't really talk that much, but I could walk. And then I just like walked in my mom and dad's room one day and just sang John Jacob Jinglehammer Schmidt. I was like, do that again. So I did. So that's just like what I would do. I just walk around and sing. And then my mom started playing a lot of 70s rock, kind of folk rock and country music. My dad was playing country music all the time. I just grew up with constant music. So I think I was just singing in my head all the time, you know, just waiting for the right time. And then I started playing piano when I was five. And then I started playing drums when I was 13. And I started playing guitar when I was 13. And I've always worked in service people jobs. I've always had a job where I had to read people and be good with people and be social and you know, do that. Just kind of everything, the right deal. You know, it kind of just put me right in this position. But like you said, there's so much that goes into it, like making people feel your music, being able to write a song that does that, you know, getting on stage and connecting with your audience. Like how did all of that evolve? I did my first onstage performance. Like I did school plays when I was in elementary school. I was never afraid to be in front of people. I did talent shows. I did, you know, ever since I've never had stage fright ever in my life. Because the worst that happens is I just look like an ass. I mean, that's the worst that happens, really. <laughs> and I do that daily. So, you know, <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Humility is also the best way to get better at anything. And then writing songs, that is a little different. And that's kind of where it's, I've always been really good at like poetry. Like when I was in elementary school, I was writing poems that were, that were pretty good. But I was also obsessed with books that had rhymes in them. And like in third grade, I'd like read all of like the poem books and stuff. I don't know. I just always, I liked the way that it was perfectly, you know, melodic almost. So I don't know. I mean, who knows how you end up to this, but that would be my best guess. You know, I don't know how to explain this. Okay. Like when I go fly fishing, I'm obsessed with fly fishing. Right. And when I go fly fishing, I go because I want to be the best fly fisherman. But when I play on stage, I don't want to be the best guitar player. I don't even care to be the best singer. But what I want to do is I want to be the best person at reading the crowd and playing the stuff, playing the songs that they want. I'm addicted to the crowd. I'm not addicted to the music. Yeah, like when they're feeling one song, how do you know what song to go to next? If they're dancing, keep them dancing. If they're super engaged, play all your slow, really deep or, you know, middle range, deep stuff. Don't punch them in the face with something super fast or like a swing or, you know, tester songs. You play test songs like, okay, we've been playing a lot of fast songs. So let's do a test. We're going to do like Night Moves by Bob Seger is like my favorite test tune because it's in the middle. It's got a really powerful vocal and the whole band can play. Can you give me a little of that one? Little too tall, could use a few pounds. Yeah, tight pants, points, hollering out. That'd be night moves. Yeah. I love it. Awesome. A little pitchy, but that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take it. 
I couldn't tell. Is there anything that you would like to ask my daddy? If he could see me play at one venue, where would it be? He would want to sing with you. I would be interested to hear where he thinks that you would be fun to play out. I'd love to be there. And he can sing with me. <laughs> I think it's a great podcast too, by the way. I'm, I'm a fan. Aww. I think seriously, I, so we started doing podcasts and it was like oh, this marketing reach out thing. And it was like, Hey, we should do podcasts. And then I started loving podcasts. I started loving like being on podcasts because we get to talk about stuff that I never get to talk about. And I never get to talk. I mean, it's like, Oh, I'm at a show. Hey, you did great, man. Close the curtains. You're done. Like no one ever asked me, Hey, what's crazy about writing songs? Like no one ever asked me that. So it's great to come on this platform and be able to vent and be able to talk about these things and meet really cool people. So I'm, I love it. Do you want to let people know how they can connect with you and get your album? You can find me at Colby Acuff on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, so on. You can also go to my website, colbyacuff.com, if you're looking to do merch or trying to find shows near you. And then on Spotify, just look up Colby Acuff. I'm also on Apple Music, Amazon Music, all major streaming platforms. So yeah, check us out. And if you like it, reach out on Instagram and I'll get back to you. And he's looking for a booking agent. True. If you are a booking agent, let me know. <laughs> awesome. You want to do one last yodel? I think I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You're good? <laughs> I'm going to have to practice. I want to yeah, see I if I hear... can do one. Better wow. call daddy. <laughs> that was great. What's wrong with that? I liked it. So daddy, what did you think? Very interesting interview about hard work having some natural abilities and really learning about all the different phases of independently trying to be a musician in today's world. And it's not easy. And you have to connect with people. You have to be able to understand music, be able to write music, to be able to participate in feeling people and what they would want and to make them part of your following and part of your show if you want to have a chance to be successful. And I agree with that analysis. Where I disagree is that if you want to really be successful, I think when it comes to music, you have to have some talent where you got to sound good and it's got to be where people can listen to you and feel like your performance is a quality product. Why do you think that's disagreeing? Well, he thought that if you work hard and you practice, that anybody can sing like anyone can perform. I don't think it's necessarily, let's go to that baseball example. You can practice all you want and you can play with all the guys in the neighborhood, but there's certain limitations to how far you're going to go playing baseball. Maybe it's Little League, maybe Babe Ruth, maybe the minors, but to make it to the pros or to be someone at an elite level, I think is part of the formula of success. Yes, there's a lot of good singers that sing in the local bar or sing in their church or sing even in the shower, have great voices, but don't have the whole package of where they're able to sing on stage. It's not easy to be successful in the arts, but there is some success to a certain degree. But certainly to take it to the highest degree, you have to have the ability, the talent, and yes, you have to have the right networking and you have to get the right breaks. A lot of pieces have to fall into place to have that ultimate success. Where do you think he should perform? Very interesting. The Grand Old Opry would be, I think, the ultimate dream come true for him. 
I think so. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 